LA is vast, vibrant, simultaneously stunning, as well as challenging and confusing. At Together LA, this city is our passion. We know that loving LA well starts with listening, pounding the pavement in search of the individuals invested in the flourishing of Los Angeles. These are the inspiring stories and real life interviews with the men and women who work to bring the gospel to LA in their unique ways. Thanks for joining us as we bring you closer to the heart of LA, one story, one voice, one neighborhood at a time. We are Tommy and Jojo, and this is the Together LA Listening Tour. Welcome to this episode of Together LA's podcast, our listening tour. And the purpose of this listening tour is to hear from leaders in LA who are doing wonderful work for the gospel. And today we get a chance to interview and talk with Dorima Hamilton, Executive Director of Ideal CDC. And Dorima, I'm going to later on ask you what Ideal uh, CDC is because I do not want to butcher it and disrespect <laughs> you guys in any way at all. Yeah, no problem. Thanks yeah. for having me. <laughs> your organization is in East LA. Before, yes. I know we're going to dive into what it does, everything like that. But before I do, how are you guys doing? How How's life going? Working at home? How's your organization, everything going? Um, fortunately, our organization is has been set up in a good place. Um, we're an organization that really focuses a lot on education around finances. So being that we educate on that, that's one of our goals. And that's something that we want to make sure that we're practicing, right? And so we put ourselves in a position. And uh, unfortunately, we weren't, we didn't have to let go of anybody, we didn't have to do any of that. And as far as, um, you know, funds go, we're good. So we're fortunate in that sense. Yeah, we had a transition to home, but luckily, you know, we've already been doing a lot of stuff virtually. And so it wasn't that big of a transition. Uh, we did have to cancel a lot of events and all of that of the in-person events that we hold in our community. And so that was a challenging part um, since that's where we get a lot of our community members to come out. But as far as our staff, we're all doing fine. We're all staying healthy, which is what's important right now. And, you know, we're just super grateful that, you know, God's been watching over us and really protecting us. And we're in a good place, um, both organizationally, financially and health wise. So thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for that update. Um, yeah, I would love for you to just talk a little bit more about how the virus has affected you personally, um, as well as your work and the community you serve. So on a, on a more micro level, how it's affecting you and your family and then um, mm -hmm. your org and then also the community, the broader community. Yeah. So, um, f you know, speaking just for my family, fortunately, we haven't had anybody that's gotten affected or sick. Um, from the virus, which I'm super grateful for, both on my husband's side and just on my end. Um, we do like bi-weekly calls and check-ins with our families via Zoom to see how everybody's doing and seeing how we can just like help and support one another during this time, but also just having fun and, you know, creating memories via Zoom. <laughs> and laughter. Um, but we're doing good as a family, which I'm super grateful for, because I know that there have been families that have had to have that conversation of like, what do we do with our family member that is sick, or, or, you know, in their hospital. And so 
that has been very challenging. We have gotten calls from our organization of family members that have gotten sick. And so that's been challenging, just um, helping them navigate through that situation and how to best go about it. Um, mostly because, you know, a lot of the families that we serve, they're Latinos. And so as Latinos, a lot of us like like to have one or two more family families in our home. And so that can be challenging if one of us is sick. What do we do with the rest of the family members or how do we isolate if we're living in a two bedroom apartment, but there's 10 other people there? And so trying to navigate through that and giving them ways to be creative and making sure that they're protecting themselves and those around them during this time. Um, but fortunately, we haven't had anybody pass away from our organization, which is great. Um, all of them have recovered. So that's really exciting news. Um, but, you know, it's still very hard to, you know, and challenging to think about like that it's impacted someone I know close to me, you know, and you hear these stories and you're like, oh, it'll never happen to me or someone I know. But in these last few weeks, there's people that I've known and I have grown up with that have been infected and it's hard to hear that and you don't, just don't know what can happen. So, but luckily they've all been, they've all come out of that. So we're fortunate for that. LA is definitely kind of showing itself to be the hot spot, you know, of coronavirus in, in, in the state of California, unfortunately, you know. Yeah. So yeah, thankful for your work. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and part of that is messaging, right? Um, and what we see, a lot of the families that we serve, they get their news from Facebook. And so mm. all kinds of messages and news on there that can be conflicting and can be, you know, confusing. So, you know, a lot of them, what we try to do is we'll have like a weekly check-in with them and update it on what we're receiving from the county, from um, you know, the health officials and everybody and try to give them some sort of clarity to navigate through all this because you hear that, oh, it won't be that bad or it will be bad. And if you walk out and breathe, you can possibly die or there's no such thing. It's all been made up and it's 5G internet, you know, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> how do you bring it back? Um, and so we've been trying to do that. But, you know, of course, a lot of people have their own beliefs and ideas yeah. of the situation. Yeah. Daruma, I'm, I'm reading you're a graduate from Vanguard University with a BA in psychology. Yes. How did someone who would the graduate in psychology move and do what you're doing at Ideal CDC? Talk a little bit about what well what Ideal CDC stands for and how you started working in this organization or if you started this organization. Okay. So I went to Vanguard. My father is a graduate of there. So I always wanted to follow in his footsteps because I really admire and respect my father. He's an immigrant, but he's now a citizen. Uh, he got his education. He got a BA in business and administration and obviously went to seminary as well because he's a pastor. So I wanted to follow up, follow in his footsteps. So I went to Vanguard and I loved it there. And I got my degree in psychology with an emphasis in business because I wanted to work in human resources. Um, I've always wanted to do some sort of social service. And I thought the best way was to, because I also like the business aspect of things. And 
So I thought human resources and business, this is perfect for what I want to do. So I was actually working in a Fortune 500 company for a few years in human resources and guest relations. Um, at the time, like it just, I did an internship and everything and it worked out fine and I was working there and, you know, I was able to grow and all that, but it wasn't what I thought because it was retail. And so be, even though you're still a human resources manager and all that, but you're still getting pulled in different directions. And I just felt like this wasn't the path that I wanted to take and there wasn't no work-life balance yeah. um, to allow, you know, to continue working in the ministry with my parents. And so, you know, I took a break. And at the time, my father was actually going to USC to be, um, to learn how to launch a nonprofit. And that's where he met Michael Mata and other people like Mark Whitlock. And so he asked me like, hey, you know, I definitely need some help. Would this be something that you can help me out with um, during this time? Well, you figure out what you want to do. And at the time, I was still doing part-time work as a behavior and speech therapist for children with autism. Well, I figured out what else I wanted to do since I had left my retail job. And here we are, four years later, still <laughs> helping my father as the executive director um, and just overseeing all of our programming and fundraising. And he actually started the organization, which is IDEAL. It stands for Instituto de Avance Integral Latino. So definitely a long and tongue twister name. But um, and, and so we, you know, I've been in the organization now for about four years, helping my father with fundraising and all the programming. And he does more of like the relationship with the other churches that we work with. And he's the one that's developed the relationship since he's been a pastor in the community for 33 years. And so I just help him navigate the business aspect and the fundraising aspect of it. Doria, let me ask you a quick question is, I have two daughters. How is it working with your dad? There is a family bond, but yeah. now your co-workers. How have you been working side by side? What have you been able to uh, learn from your dad, but how have you also been able to balance it with your own schooling as well too? Right. And that's definitely something that was challenging because, you know, he is a founder and I'm the executive director. So essentially we're kind of like, two managers, right, coming together with different ideas, different points of views and the way we see things. And I think a lot of it had to do with just like separating at one point, you know, we had to separate our father daughter relationship when it comes to business <laughs> and keep it separate because, you know, it can get complicated <laughs> or it can get a mess. Right. Um, but I think a lot of it too is just like, uh, you know, me being honest with my father and telling him, hey, I need you to treat me as an as a co-worker, not an employee or your daughter. Because um, if this wants to, if this needs to happen, if this wants, if we wanted to, this to work, then we need to make sure that we're both on the same page and we can communicate in a way that's respectful, but also listening to each other. And I, a lot of times had to do the same thing and step back. I'm like, okay, I'm not talking to him as my uh, CEO founder, I'm talking to him as my dad. And sometimes like it can be, you know, not the best <laughs> form of communication, but it's definitely brought us closer together. I, you know, me and my father, like I call him every single day mm -hmm. with different things. Sometimes like five different times a day. He's like, hi, Dreamo, what else do you need? And it's just 
I love it. I honestly, I really love that I have such an amazing relationship with my father. Like, I think that's very key because that is what bring, brings us closer to our heavenly father. Um, and so I'm just really grateful that I have such a good relationship with him. Obviously, we've had, you know, our conflicts and our disagreements, but being able to grow from that through and our relationship has gotten better and just our communication overall has gotten so much better. And so but it's like it took a lot also for my dad. OK, I need to you know, what do they call it? The powdered butt syndrome since they <laughs> raped me. Sometimes they don't want to hear my <laughs> input. Mm-hmm. And so he would come back and be like, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's try it this way. So a lot of communication and a lot of, I'm sorry, you're right. <laughs> Let's figure it boundaries. out. I mean, what you're, yeah, you're like talking so much about just creating those healthy boundaries, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. so awesome and awesome to model that too, I'm sure. Um, as well. Mm -hmm. I I would love for you to talk a little bit about what you do um, with with your organization. Um, Yeah, yeah, tell us about your programming, about the people you serve, about, um, yeah, give us the lowdown. Okay, so our organization, as you mentioned earlier, it's located in East Los Angeles. East Los Angeles is a primarily Latino community. I think about 90, 95% of the people there are Latino. And so um, we wanted to make sure like we understood what the needs were. And something that my father and mother did was that they went door to door to every home that was within a mile radius of where our facilities were and just asked them, what do you want to see happen here? What are some of the needs that you see here? And those needs were jobs, something for our youth, um, uh, finances, purchasing a home because a lot of them are renters. And so we're like, okay, well, what can we do? What resources can we leverage to service them? So we have, you know, music programs, art programs, and, you know, youth mentorship. But how do we cover the financial aspect of it? Um, At the time, you know, my then my now husband, what he said, he was studying to become a certified financial planner. So that's where he stepped in and asked him, can you help us with some of this financial education? And we had to really um, evaluate where their knowledge was of the community that we serve, since a lot of them are immigrants, primarily from Central America, Guatemala, El Salvador, and then Mexico. And so a lot of them were when like, don't have any sort of relationship with a bank, don't have trust built. So we realized that we had to start very from the ground, like from the very basic of like FDIC insurance, like you should trust the bank, you should put your finances there. And this is why. And from there, we've talked about building emergency funds, saving, paying off debt. And since then, we've been able to help families save on average of $500 to $2,000 for an emergency fund. And, you know, that puts you in a different position. And let me just give you an example of one family. This family, they're immigrants um, and they have two daughters. And they've been through our program. One of the programs that we have is called Ideal Wealth Academy, where we work with a couple as well as a high school students. And so this couple, we, we would meet with them once a month to help them with their financial goals. Part of it was paying off debt, but also building an emergency fund. Um, this family, not only like were they <laughs> stellar at the program, they were able to save, pay off all debt. Um, but two years after graduating from our program, they 
the husband got laid off from work. And so that can be very challenging. But because he continued practicing the principles that we taught him, he was able to save enough funds for six months of expenses. And this is mortgage. This is utilities. This is food. He was so he was in a better position to not go out and find a job because he's desperate or in fear or how am I going to cover bills? So he was in a much more better position and much more confident when he was out in the marketplace looking for a job because, well, I still have funds to cover my mortgage for the next three months. So if I don't like this job, I can turn it down. So it puts me in a different position. And it, it was just really great to see that and hear that story that even two years later, they're still putting it into practice. And this is the kind of things that we want to see in our community is that because they received the education and the tools that they needed, now they're in a much better place financially and can make better decisions that will help them reach their goals. And so that's really awesome. Their daughter was able to be part of a program called Ascending Lights, which is a nonprofit a Christian, a faith-based nonprofit where they work with students that are going to community college and they pay for everything, but also mentor them weekly and, and help them with their faith and school. So she was able to participate in that and get that. And so, you know, that's a full family transformation, right? And so that's what we want to see. That's what we want to see in the family, in the communities is they're feeling empowered. They're getting the education that they need because a lot of it is just, they don't know where to go. They don't know who to trust, what to do because of all the fraud that happens or all the misinformation that's out there and just not having clarity and understanding how the systems here work. Mm. So being able to help them navigate through that and tell them, you know, we're here to support you, um, really makes a difference. And so, you know, that's just a little bit about what we do. We also help small business owners. And that's where we partner with the faith community and the different uh, churches that we work with, primarily with the uh, denomination Assemblies of God. We have about 350 churches uh, under that that are Latino here in um, Southern California. And that's who we've been working with to do our small business conference. And same thing, you know, letting them know the, the resources that are out there, whether it's marketing, finances, um, HR, accounting, taxes, and the list goes on, right? But our organization is mostly focused around education, you know, whether it's small business, finances, leadership development. And then we mentor young students with careers, um, and just, uh, you know, with a resume, interview skills, networking, and different things like that. How wow. many students are you serving? So um, on average, uh, a year, we serve about 1,000 to 1,200 people wow. um, through our various programs. And so, um, yeah, well, we have different workshops on Saturdays and different conferences and trainings. Yeah. Hey, Dorima, let me ask you, and this is just me being naive and not knowing. I think this is what why podcasts like this help. Yeah. Is the make the people that you're working with, are they US citizens? Are they undocumented? Can you talk a little bit about the breakdown with that? And the reason I ask that is I realize sometimes some of the US stimulus plans, all of that stuff does not help those who are undocumented. 
Right, right. Um, yeah, so a lot of the people that we serve, I would say about 65 to 70% of the families that we serve are either a full family that's fully undocumented or there's it's mixed. And by mixed, I mean maybe one of the parents is a citizen or the children are citizens and the parents are not. So there's different, um, all kinds of families, but mostly they're undocumented. So yeah, a lot of them were not able to receive the stimulus check. Um, the only ones that are not citizens that were able to receive is people that came um, in the early 90s and 80s and were able to receive um, through asylum and social security mm -hmm. and taxes. Mm -hmm. So I do know a few families that are currently undocumented that have received a st stimulus check, but I can count them on one hand. And we serve, you know, over 300 families on a yearly basis, about 1,000, 1,200 people. So that's not that many. Um, yeah. So it, it's definitely challenging, especially receiving those phone calls like, oh, am I going to get something since my son and daughter were born here? And then telling them, no, unfortunately not. Um, so, yeah. What has been, um, this is a two-sided two question. Um, what's been one of your biggest challenges during this time? And then also what's been one of your, what's been giving you a lot of hope? Um, what's been giving me a lot of hope is the people that we serve, honestly, because even though we're, they're probably the ones that are being affected the most by having the economy shut down because they're not able to receive this assistance. And so they're being impacted the most, but the fact that they still stay positive, trusting God and knowing that things will work out. And also the fact that they're becoming creative. Like we had this mom that her son, her son is eight years old, told her, oh, you make really good, you know, bouquets and flowers. So she just posted up on Instagram and she was able to sell out within two hours. And this was just something that she just like, well, let me try it out. My son told me, let's see if it works. And now he's like, this is great. It's like, I don't know, I can sell stuff on Facebook. So that, those little stories give us hope and give me encouragement that even though they are facing like, a difficult time they're not letting that affect them and bring in too much fear but in fact it's inspiring them to be more creative and support one another there's been families that have reached out to me that said hey if you know of a family that needs food that is going to get kicked out of their house let us know we have an emergency fund that we can donate and so things like that have been really inspiring because these are families that they too lost their jobs. Yeah. They too don't know what's going to happen, but they're just supporting one another during this time. And that's what we see a lot, especially in the Guatemalan community. They're very united and they're very, very family oriented and community oriented. So they don't want to let someone in their a town that they grew up with um, be left alone. So that, those are the kind of things that are inspiring. Inspiring. The challenging part is the calls that I get about, what do I do? My landlord said that I have to pay, and if I don't pay, they're going to charge interest on my, on my rent, or I have a food truck business, and if I don't pay, they're going to charge me 40%, and, or they're going to confiscate. And those, so those are the kind of things that you know are 
hard to have, but luckily, you know, we have laws that protect them and, you know, the moratorium that was put in place so that they're not kicked out of their home brings peace, but still like navigating through, like, I still have, you know, all this food that I have to throw away from my business. What do I do? Like, how do I recover that? Or can I apply for the PPP loan? So luckily, you know, if you have a business that's been operating for the last year, even if you're an undocumented person, you're able to apply. And working with like community um, banks and credit unions, like self-help credit union has been amazing because they've been able to help out some of these families that need that assistance. Wow, I didn't realize that, okay. Hey yeah. Dorima, how can the church, uh, for those who are listening, how can businesses, how can uh, Christ followers, how the church, how they, can they come alongside to help you? Is it helping with your small business conference? Is it volunteering? Or someone we, uh, we can help out? Yeah, I mean, you know, I appreciate you asking the question. One way you guys can support is just to continue getting the word out about our organization and the work that we're doing. Um, we are having a virtual conference actually starting, it started yesterday. And, you know, we're just helping and uplifting our community through, you know, how to manage a budget during this time and the programs that are available out for you, whether it's finding food, utility bills, different things like that. Another way, I mean, obviously, if you're able to donate, we do have a small business and family relief fund that we've been able to use to purchase food from, you know, food centers to distribute um, once or twice a month. And we use those funds to buy food and meals and our medical supplies and PPE um, face coverings uh, for families that need it. So um, those are a couple ways that you can support. Got it. And to register, to support, to find all that information, should they just go to your website, idocdc.com? Yeah, you can go to your our website or, you know, the best way is on Facebook. You can just search Ideal CDC on Facebook. And you'll find everything there. That's where we're on all the time. Like our website, we use it and it's mostly for our funders, to be honest. But Facebook is where we're really able to communicate with our community and really reach out to them because that's where they're at. That's where we're we're doing our Facebook lives. That's where we're doing our conference. And so you can find us easily on there. Great. Very, very good. Doreen Hamilton, Executive Director of Ideal CDC. You can find information on idealcdc.com or as she has recommended, search Ideal CDC on their Facebook and that's yes. where the majority of the community are. Yeah. yeah. And so, Doreen, Johanna, thank you very much for taking time out to talk today. Yeah. yeah. It was my pleasure. I'll be happy to come on anytime. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> we would love to have you on anytime. Yeah, definitely. I just, if anything I can do to support and help your guys' mission, please let us know. Yeah. You know, that is why we want to do this listening tour podcast to learn from people like yourself who gives us a glimpse into the city, not only of East LA, but also into a community that frankly, some of us just don't know very much about. Yeah. And so a lot of times being Asian American, I tend to stay within the Asian American community, but it allows me to hear about some of the struggles and how we as a church can help together as one body. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. <laughs> I appreciate you both for having me and just being able to provide a little bit of a glimpse into East LA and Ideal CDC and what we're doing and how we can continue to support each other and our, uplift our communities during this time. Awesome. For more information on Together LA, please go to togetherla.net. 
That is togetherla.net on Instagram at together underscore LA. That's underscore together. No, together underscore LA. Dorima, thank you. And we will talk soon. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Together LA Listening Tour. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe to the Together LA channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with Together LA on Instagram, Facebook, and our website at www.togetherla.net. See you next time.